Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? Rich, My Take Radio, episode 157 for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2012. Do not adjust your ears. It is indeed Wednesday, not Thursday. A couple of reasons why we're doing the show on Wednesday this week. Of course, usually, we, we all know, we do the show Thursdays at 11 o'clock, but we will be doing um, a screening tomorrow for... The Here Comes the Boom film with Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, Kevin James, sorry. Um, you may know him from King of Queens and Hitch and a couple of other unfunny movies. Anyway, we got some tickets to go check out the advanced screening, and we will be doing that tomorrow evening around 7 o'clock. So to not jeopardize the show and double book and rush through a show next week, we dis- um, this Thursday, I should say, we decided to broadcast a show tonight. Which is a little bit is a little bit uh not stressful, but it just feels weird. I haven't done a show on a Wednesday in a while. Uh, nonetheless, the review for Here Comes the Boom once we have the embargo removed should be on the site prior to the movie being in theater. So be on the lookout for that. Our caller number is three four seven three two four three five four one. Again, that caller number three four seven three two four three five four one. If you noticed at the start of the broadcast, it was a little quiet, it was a little silent. We were experiencing technical difficulties. Get this, with, of all things, our soundboard. We use the Soundbite soundboard, which is very good, usually. It is a Windows-based soundboard application we've used on numerous occasions. And for some reason, it decided, I'm going to be running, but not allow you to play any audio. So, over the course of the broadcast, I'm going to try and work out all the bugs with that, so... Hopefully, we'll edit out that little incident in post because, like anything else, when it's live, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Anyway, we got a lot to get out of the way in terms of housekeeping this week, and I want to talk about a couple of things going on with the site. Of course, we are in October. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and MTR, as always, prides itself 
on helping to raise awareness. We, as usual, are partnering with Susan Coleman for The Cure. And you're going to be seeing some stuff on the site with regards to that. Now, as I mentioned last week and in the weeks leading up to this week's episode, I said that we were on the fence about doing the Brawling for Boobies community event only because of the turnout from last year. And I took the opportunity and sat down with a, a very a very nice lady named Joan from Coleman for the Cure. We were discussing uh, the things for the event and what we can do and how we can surpass what we did last year. Last year, many of you know that we set a goal of reaching at least $1,000. Uh, we did not even reach half. We got up to $450, and everybody pretty much tanked at that point. For those of you that remember, you know that that was one of the many memorable shows in the 157-episode history of MTR. I was I was not a happy camper. I was very angry. Um, I was angry at our audience. I was angry at our listeners. I was angry at people that visit the site. I was extremely angry at the people that were supposed to be partnering with us for this event. Um, I was also angry at the people that committed to working with us for the event, whether it was in a promotional capacity or lending a hand during the gaming nights. Needless to say, those particular things soured me completely on the concept of doing another Brawling for Boobies event. But in the grand scheme of things, I realized that this isn't about the event or, you know, how I felt. It was about doing something uh, selfless and something for the greater good. So, yeah, we didn't hit 500 bucks. Yeah, we didn't hit 1,000 bucks, but we, we did something. And it was it was very kind of, of Joan from Coleman for the Cure to, stay, you know, remind me of that in the email that she sent, you know, thanking us for the work we did and all the awareness we tried to get out there. And, of course, it, it made me feel good and it kind of gave me a shot in the arm to give it another shot. Now, in the coming days, you're going to see a list of community play dates. We're going to try and do some different dates, um, usually with myself. I know Slick is going to help where he can. And we're going to try and do different stuff. As usual, we are focusing it on the fighting games for a couple of reasons. Number one, most of the newer fighting games have lobbies, which allow people to talk and do stuff. So we're going to try and do the title selection this week. Probably Marvel vs. Capcom 3, maybe Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Uh, some people are asking if I'm going to do Tekken Tag Tournament 2, maybe Virtual Fighter 5, Street Fighter Third Strike. There's a couple of there's a couple of titles in the hopper that I want to go over. And this year, usually, I said anybody involved in the community gaming in uh, the community game nights, uh, we recommend that they donate. And it was it almost felt like it was something where I was strong arming you guys to donate and it, take it as you will. But as for as many people that were involved, only those people donated. Now. We're just going to open it up to everybody. You want to play, you're welcome to play. You want to donate, um, you know, the minimum donation is five bucks. So if you want to do that, you're welcome to do it. Simple as that. It's We're going to take a more relaxed approach this year and let the chips fall where they may. Now, Joan did advise us that the 450 that we did raise last year is actually going to carry over into this year and stay in the, in the, in the pot to take us to our next target. So... She said I can start a completely new page and start it from scratch, but we, we put so much work into it and it, it was so much progress that to change it, we're just going to change the games and the description of the event. So be on the lookout for news regarding that within the within the coming days. Like I said, um, 
it's not mandatory. Uh, your involvement is not forced. But if you guys want to do something great for charity and you got five bucks, it's 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 no better feeling. And um, we're we're proud to do it. Now, one of the things that we're gonna do to celebrate the involvement with Coleman for the Cure is we will have a custom brand new my take radio breast cancer awareness ribbon now i'm sure you guys know the typical ribbon is pink and it's very regular the ribbon that we used for brawling for boobies is a ribbon that you know we came across on the web and a couple of people decided to take it upon themselves and adopt that as well and you know say what you will but i i really didn't like having the same shit as everybody else and i kind of got bent out of shape about it for my own personal reasons anyway we're gonna have a brand new custom mtr ribbon which we're gonna make available on the fan page and on the site and if you want to show support you can put that ribbon in your avatars or wherever you see fit and um you know to just help spread the cause and get things moving on that you will see that ribbon probably no later than next week so be on the lookout for that again like i said it's just our part to raise awareness is you, if you visited mytakeradio.com, you'll see it's pink. The navigation is pink. It's like, you know, we didn't we didn't start a Dan Hibiki fan club. For those of you that are confused, uh, MTR is pink for breast cancer awareness, and it will remain that way throughout the entire month of October. Also, one of the things um, that I did want to discuss, which was which was actually, well, actually it's a two part thing, and it's going to go into this week's monologue. First thing was. Our YouTube channel, which is My Take Radio, uh, it's youtube.com forward slash My Take Radio TV. Uh, I got a couple of people that were saying that they were looking for just My Take Radio on YouTube and were having some pro- some problems finding us. It is My Take Radio TV. Now, what we've been doing is we've been putting all our episodes, uh, starting with 150 on, on the YouTube channel. Some people are really, really happy that we're doing that just because they're allowed to go to YouTube at the at their workplace and they're able to check it out that way versus streaming or any of that so for those of you that are enjoying that we're putting the episodes on youtube we're going to continue to do that uh we're trying to get some programming up we started with our blast from the past feature we're going to do some more game captures with some old games i'm trying to master the art of commentary it's it's kind of difficult transitioning from doing three hours of radio to doing uh video game commentary so it's a it's a bit of a learning curve but if you guys have any suggestions, any games you want to see that, uh, you know, we have at our disposal, please let me know. Just because we're trying to find our voice with our YouTube channel. A lot of people are saying, hey, Rich, you know, are you going to be doing vlogs or movie reviews and stuff? And as I've said before, just my apprehension about being on camera is is something I need to get over. It, it really is super huge. I tried um doing a Google Hangout a couple of days ago and I just I just couldn't sit there on camera. It was driving me fucking nuts. And you know, it would be a disservice to you guys to give you a stumbling bumbling vidcast as opposed to what you're used to out of me and the rest of the MTR crew. But we are working on it. So if you got any suggestions, please drop me a line MTR host at mytakeradio.com and we will work out those particular issues. Now on the subject of feedback, we um I gotta give a shout out to um, a new fan on the fan page, Michael Smith, came out of nowhere, dropped me a message uh, a couple of days ago, I'd say almost early, about a week ago, um, inquiring about Slick's reviews of Young Justice. Now, you guys know Slick is pretty much the gatekeeper of that stuff. I mean, I watch Young Justice on occasion, but Slick is 
He knows the ins and outs. He can break down an episode better than me and probably anybody else on staff. It's one of the many strengths that he has. And, you know, like anything else, life gets in the way. But this particular listener messaged messaged us directly on the fan page like, yo, what's going on with Young Justice? Is Slick going to be working on it? So, you know, he, he was he was he enjoyed Slick's work. He let us know. And I forwarded the message to Slick and Slick has since just been putting up episode after episode of Young Justice now that he's starting to get caught up and he's doing a lot of great stuff with regards to that. Of course, the new episodes are starting up and Slick is going to have that stuff up as well, probably this evening or at some point tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. Oh, correction. He just messaged me that he is caught up. So there, there you have it. Slick is completely caught up and all the episodes are being posted on the site. And of course, the newest episode should be up this evening or later on tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. But again, Michael Smith uh, got the ball rolling and he um, he did something that that again, we, we complain about. And it's something that take make of it what you will. But we got to look at it from this standpoint. He came directly to the source, right to the page. Boom. Hey, what the fuck is going on with this? You guys need to get on the ball. And um, whether it was a catalyst to get the ball rolling, it was just good to hear that, to let the let our staff know that, hey, these guys like your work. Same thing with uh, Jason Yates. Uh, he goes in there. He reads the buried columns from Bladen Quark, shares his thoughts, and just continues to keep the ball rolling. And I kind of put a call to action on the fan page for that reason, just reminding you guys, hey, you like something, you don't like something, you want to see something on air or on the on the YouTube channel or on the site, we're, we're there, we're listening. Nobody's, nobody's going to attack you there. Everybody kind of just has a chill conversation. We have a good time. And it's one of the reasons why I like the fan page over the forum, just because we kind of get to learn a little bit more about our listeners, who they are, where they're from, as opposed to them hiding behind an online handle. Now, again... You know, we put the content out there for you guys, but we need the feedback to know what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to see done differently. So do your, do us a favor. If you're on there, you comment, you don't comment. Um, just take a moment and um, take a moment and drop us a comment. Let us know who you are or where you're from. If you're from another country, which there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you. Don't think I don't go and look at our analytics and see what's going on. There's a lot of international listeners and fans on the fan page from all over the place just just take a minute if english isn't yeah uh, your first language then you know we can accommodate you but at least let us know that you you like our stuff in a more direct way i mean anybody can hit a like button and that's great but the comments are always good and it helps us give you guys a better product now on the subject of comments of course last week i was talking about the departure of um comic-con for this year we unfortunately you know we can't we didn't get credentialed and um i was pissed but i came to an amazing realization that was brought to my attention not only by one of our own staffers which is josh thank you for that but um a couple of others that brought to my attention that i was i was not as angry as i should have been given that we didn't get credentialed after putting in you know, three plus years of Comic-Con coverage, Big Apple Comic-Con, uh, countless other events throughout New York City. And um, one person actually, and, and Josh was one of them as well, 
he felt that I, I, I had become corporate rich last week because I was looking at it as not wanting to burn any bridges. And I sat down as I edited last week's show and I re-listened to it after having that conversation, not only with Josh, but with some other people as well. And I, I did that because that's not something I rarely do. I threw the show on in the car on my commute to work and I listened to it. And I realized that I wasn't angry. I just sounded fucking defeated, which, you know, given given what's been going on, and I'm not going to beat this up too much, it's it's just something where you work hard and then they fucking just pull the rug out from under you and you get pissed off. And don't get me wrong. I, I should, should I have written the email along the lines of, hey, what the fuck are you assholes doing? We bust our asses for you guys and this is how we get treated. You know, fuck you. Yeah, sure, that would be great, and and that would definitely yield a great result. But I realize that that sometimes you catch more you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Simple as that. But don't make don't make any mistake that me going ballistic on air has taken a back seat, which and it it hasn't. It really hasn't. I just felt defeated last week. I did. I was just worn out, tired, and. Fighting the good fight to, to just have the rug pulled out from under you definitely um, it, it stifles your motivation. That shit's not happening. It's not. You know, I, I kind of felt like like we like I've gotten not to say I've gotten soft, but things have just they're not where they should be. And the fact of the matter is that we are the we are the centerpiece of this shit. We are. We're the only guys out there that bring together fight fans, wrestling fans, gamers. And just geeks from all circles into one umbrella. We're the only... And sure, there are probably other guys out there, but as far as I know, we're the only guys that do that. We're the only guys where fight fans can come in and talk about playing the newest video games or reading the newest comics. Same thing with wrestling fans that have become MMA fans after listening to the shows. And, and And to see our hard work not get rewarded pisses me the fuck off it does and and i'm done i'm it's not even about being mr nice guy because the fact is i never was and when i come on air and i say what i say remember the remember this and i'm telling you guys in case you guys didn't know this is entertainment how i am on air is exactly that it is entertainment am i that way off air I'd say 90% so, but even still, what we do here is entertain. Same thing with people that read Buried and some of our articles and see some some questionable stuff in there. It's all for entertainment. It's not to be taken seriously. Just a, a, a nugget I figured I would float out there for a couple of different reasons. But the fact is that we're the best at this shit. And, and I'm sure people can attest and, and they can represent their own brands, but... And that's fine, and you can say you're good, but there's there's no, nobody ever got anywhere by saying they were second best. And that's that. We do what we do. Sometimes it's not very nice, but guess what? We're the best at it. That's it. So I'm not going to beat that up anymore. Let's get into what we're going to talk about this week because there's lots to discuss. We got UFC on tap. We got the uh, Struve, uh, Stipe Miocic fight that I want to get into we got some gaming news. We got a ton of wrestling stuff, including Raw and also main event that debuted this week. Um, 
Last but not least, we got some entertainment stuff. I know for a fact that we're not probably going to go three hours because it's it, it, it was a busy week, but it wasn't that busy. So that's the heads up. Before we get into it, as always, thank you guys for continuing to check in on Get Glue. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure to check out all the new articles from Slick, myself, Ben, who put up his recent fighter of the month, who is not John Jones, in case anybody has anything to say about that. And um, also some stuff from Andrea, including um, her 666 Park Avenue first impression and a couple of other things as well. We put up the trailer for The Lone Ranger and some other stuff that you can check out on MyTakeRadio.com. One other reminder, you can listen to the show live right now through your mobile device. Just dial our call-in number, and you do not have to press any options, because if you do, you'll be put in the caller queue, but you can listen to the show via your phone. So if you're driving home and you want to listen to the show, you can dial in, uh, sync it via Bluetooth with your car stereo, or play it through your car speakers and hear it that way. Just a quick reminder about that. And as always, I don't stress it enough, but you can call in at any time, 347-324-3541, if you want to get in on any of the conversation for tonight's topics. All right, so let's get into MMA because hopefully the soundboard is working and it won't give us complete silence. So let's get it started. Before I get into discussing the UFC on Fuel 5 event, I did want to talk about the Ultimate Fighter, which, as, as many of you know, just continues to have, lose its luster. We talked about this last week when Ben was on, and, and he kind of brought it full circle, acknowledging that. And I, and I have to agree, the fights just don't seem as... I don't want to say as motivated, not well, not the fights, but just the overall ambience of the show just doesn't seem as motivated as it usually is. It almost feels like there's a, a huge reality buildup, which is hit and miss. Sometimes it works. And then they they deliver a fight, which I don't know. It seems to be a little a little bit more subpar than usual. And that's not to say that these guys are fighting safe because some of these guys go in there ready to make it happen. But Last week's fight was definitely not one of the better fights of the season. Sam Alvey and Joey Rivera fought uh, this past Friday, and it was a better fight. Um, Joey Rivera took the fight via majority decision. It was pretty good, though. I think Alvey definitely got his got his second win in the second round. Rivera did look gassed between rounds, so I'm shocked that, they, that he was able to perform up to par, but... They ended up giving the fight to Rivera, which, as I always say, you should never leave it in the hands of the judges. Next week, they previewed, which will, of course, be this Friday, some issues between Dana and Roy and Roy Nelson, which I think they're trying to focus more on that to salvage the season than anything else. So going into this next episode, we got losses on Team Carwin's side and on Team Nelson's side. So it's pretty even at the moment. They haven't really ran away with it. But again, this season, I honestly want to say that they could, they should take a break before going into the next season and maybe trying something different. Um, not reinventing the wheel, but obviously the live component didn't work. 
and the current format is is just not delivering either. One of the issues that a lot of people say is is the Friday broadcast, which is true. Um, you got to give those episodes Wednesdays. Wednesdays is good to break it up. Thursdays is kind of tough, but Wednesdays is fine. Um, it's funny, Ben. Ben in the chat says the show this season is straight garbage. None of the dudes on there have any chance of making it to more than two fights in the UFC. That's that's very harsh coming from Ben, but I can seeing that from Ben, you can see the frustration not only from him but in other fans, myself included. It just feels like the show has lost its step, and maybe you need to take a season off and create a buzz and start from scratch. It, that's all it may need, or you may just need to change the approach completely. Like I've said, maybe do an Ultimate Fighter for for Strike Force, or maybe utilize the Strike Force roster and try and fill the ranks there since you're not going to do away with that company something something ben also mentions in the chat they should do a friday night a friday night fight series screw the ultimate fighter the, its purpose is dead so again ben very passionate about that and I, I can't i can't argue it i can't but the other the other thing that went down of course this weekend was ufc on fuel 5 which for some reason, in my opinion, did not have um, it didn't have as much of a fanfare going into it. Some people felt that the that the fight was the fights weren't promoted enough, and there were some really good fights on there. Um, Demarcus Johnson fought; he actually ended up losing via submission, rear naked choke. I was bummed about that in the prelims. Uh, Brad Tavares fought on that card; he he took uh, his fight from Tom Watson via split decision. But the main card had some pretty good fights as well. Uh, John Hathaway and John McGuire was pretty good. I definitely think that Hathaway has some potential, but the fight itself was just very, very, very slow. Hathaway, everybody's touting him as the as the next GSP, and sure, you can make a case for that, but the the fight itself left left a lot to be desired. On another note, though, Paul Sass and Matt Wyman was a whole other ball game. Wyman continues to come in there and do his thing. Um, he really, really. Um, has continues to improve in every fight and taking the first round submission with a with an arm bar it was it was so beautiful uh the way they rolled into it and Wyman boom he caught him real nice real clean good technique uh Brad Pickett Yves Jabouin was a solid fight um Brad Pickett with a ridiculous one one you know straight uppercut it was it was insane it was um it was one of those things where you wouldn't expect it because, of course, like I said, people were saying that this card was going to be shit. But damn, that 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 um that uppercut was disgusting. So was the submission from Matt Wyman as well. Um, definitely got to give Brad Pickett points. He uh he celebrated uh, doing the Gangnam Style dance, which was very very amusing. Dan Hardy and Amir Sadala was a surprising fight, not because I rode off. Dan Hardy. I actually like Dan Hardy a lot. I think he's a he's one of the toughest dudes on the roster. He has a great story. He has a tremendous look that's marketable. And he went in there and he he put on some straight work for three rounds. Great striking, great ground and pound out of out of Dan Hardy. He ended up taking the fight via unanimous decision. Um, now, of course, uh, Stefan Struve, Stipe, Stipe Miocic. Uh, Stipe has been on. Uh, Fight Insight Radio with Gary and Spill Bag of Ice. He's a really nice dude, class act. Stefan Struve continues to improve the guy. Tremendous reach. 
Uh, his stand-up is getting better and better. And in round two, he reinforced that by taking the fight via strikes, uh, TKO. Um, the crazy thing was that when Struve got Stipe against the cage and was just battering him, he was already out on his feet. And it was it was very, 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 very polished performance from, from Stefan Struve. I was, I was super impressed, especially considering that every time I try to write the guy off, he comes back and has a really great performance. And um, Ben, Ben, of course, rubs in the fact that Gunnar Nelson is a beast. And that is true. He is a he is very, very, very talented. I was, you know, again, uh, I like Demarcus Johnson. So seeing him lose bummed me out. But Gunnar Nelson, definitely a, a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, Fuel, Fuel 5 delivered. I enjoyed it. Great fights. And some bonuses got handed out. Um where are my notes here? KO of the night, of course, went to Brad Pickett. Submission went to Matt Wyman. Shocker, $40,000 bonuses for both those guys. Fight of the night went to Stefan Struve and Stipe Miocic, which I'm shocked that they didn't give it to Dan Hardy and Amir Sadala because that fight was, was, was a war, and Dan Hardy looked amazing in that fight. But nonetheless, I was totally entertained. I expected the, the, this card to be completely subpar, especially after what went down with Strikeforce, but... I'm glad it went the way it went, and I was super, super impressed. Now, in some other MMA news, Clay Guida announced that he is dropping down to 145 now, looking to try and make a run at the title at 145. Um, the crazy thing with Clay Guida is that he's such an energetic, talented, and and well-rounded and likable fighter that I always felt that he... He was being underutilized at 55 only because they put him in these crazy matchups and it almost felt like he was not gaining traction. The crazy thing is that when he finally started getting into those bigger fights, his performance changed. Obviously, we know that from his fight with Gray Maynard and um, dropping down to 45. There's a lot of good competition down there. Of course, you got Frankie Edgar down there, Jose Aldo down there. You got a lot of great guys at 45 that are going to that are going to definitely be a test for Guida, but who knows? He is, uh, he's a guy, <laughs> fucking Ben. Ben says, and I quote, Clay Guida is an energetic blanket. <laughs> Fuck. Ben, you're killing me tonight. You're killing me. But I'm happy to see Guida come down to 45, just because it's going to be um, some different matchups, and may maybe his style will evolve to make him more of a threat at that weight class, obviously, Ben feels that he is just a blanket. So take that for what it's worth. But I'm 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 a big Guida. I'm a big Clay Guida fan. What do you want from me? I like watching the guy fight, good, bad, or otherwise. He's like I said, great personality, a cool dude. Goes out there, tries to leave it in the cage. Yeah, his last fight, he kind of didn't do his typical running around like a wild man, whooping ass. But everybody's entitled to a bad fight. So let's just leave it at that. Right after the UFC on Fuel TV event, um, Dana White, of course, was making headlines talking about Matt Mitrione turning down a strike force fight with Daniel Cormier, which, of course, Daniel Cormier lost uh, his opponent. Frank Mir got injured and um, they were looking for an opponent for him. And Matt Mitrione, honestly, would have would have been a good opponent. I think he would have matched up well, uh, regardless of Cormier's wrestling, which Mitrione he ended up releasing a statement addressing exactly that, where he felt he would not have been ready. But here's what Dana White had to say. 
It fucking makes me sick. Listen, you don't want big opportunities. I hear you. I get it. All I can say is I guess he doesn't want the big opportunities. Duly noted. He wants to fight a guy who weighs 205, but doesn't want to fight the guy who's the real heavyweight, the legitimate guy who's ranked. And Mitrione's not getting any younger. When, you know, with Mitrione sticking to his original booking, Dana White, in typical Dana White fashion, said it's fucking insane. It makes no sense to me. And it's insane. I'm a little bummed out by it. We'll figure it out. I'll just take that, you know, I'll just take that one. Um, actually, I misquoted that. Um, when he approached Mitrione for the fight, Mitrione already had a fight booked, and he just said he'll take the fight that he has booked, and he's not going to take the fight with Cormier. Um, Dana White went on to say Cormier will fight anybody. The guys who are the real guys fight anybody. They'll fight anybody. Um, and, you know, Ben says in the chat that Mitrione would have gotten smacked up and he had no incentive to take the fight on short notice. Okay, I'll give him that. But you also have to look at it from the standpoint where you got to take a gamble. You got to take a gamble with a guy like Daniel Cormier. The guy has tremendous momentum coming out of Strike Force. I'm sure that Dana White is counting down the hours, minutes, and seconds until he can bring him into the UFC and unleash him on the UFC roster. But the fact is that Maybe going down to Strike Force and taking that fight, maybe he would have, maybe he would have whooped Cormier's ass. You know, it's not to say that Mitrione's a shitty fighter because he's not; he's pretty good. But sometimes you got to take these gambles, and and I've talked to a couple of different people about it, and some people are like, well, you know, if the fight doesn't make sense, the fighters are entitled to not take it, and that's fine. But you also got to look at it. That Mitrione is a guy who, he's had good fights in the UFC, but a lot of people have never looked at him as a guy that's going to make a huge impact. They feel that he's going to be a guy that is going to go in there and deliver good fights, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to hold a belt anytime soon. I'm not one to say that because on any given day, anybody can get their ass whooped. Facts are facts. But I will say this. Guys that are put in the hot seat to take fights like this, sure, part of it is for doing the right thing for the company. But in other instances, it, it gives a fighter an opportunity to raise his stock. I mean, let's let's be realistic. Everybody thought Vitor Belfort was going to get smashed by John Jones. And, you know, he, he pulled a little arm bar out of his ass, and then he, got, he hung in there for four rounds. Take that for what it's worth. But the fact is that on any given day, any man can lose. Um, you know, Ben says he feels that Cormier is one of the top four heavyweights in the world, and I agree. But for Mitrione, it would have been an opportunity to to break that mystique, to move himself up into the rankings where people will take notice. You know, you look at guys like Roy Nelson, uh, Shane Carwin, guys like that. They're, you know, some of them like at least Roy Nelson. He has the stigma of being a gatekeeper. But on any day, on any given day, Roy Nelson can go in there and do do some major damage, and he and he can take a fight from somebody. If the circumstances presented themselves in Mitrione's case, I'm not, you know, I can't, I can't admonish him for, for making that decision, but I think that he could have gained something by taking the fight, not only because it would have been probably a bigger payday, but he may have had the chance to, to dethrone a guy that has tremendous momentum going in. Take it for what it's worth. Like I said, Mitrione released a statement. He said that, you know, he didn't feel his wrestling was up to par to take that fight on short notice and. I, I respect the fact that he he released a statement and he tried to defend himself from Dana White. And this is something that, you know, Ben and I have talked about at length on air. And I've mentioned, too, sometimes Dana White, he just comes out of pocket and he just says some crazy shit. Um, to say that the guy 
to say that the guy that the guys that fight anybody are the real fighters i kind of felt like it was just a slap not only to mitrione of course but it was almost like like a like a subtle jab at john jones for the john jones situation look as far as i'm concerned when you're one of the top five draws in the company and you have the belt you're entitled to to some wiggle room when you're when you're a guy like mitrione or some of these other guys you're every fight you take is one step towards the promised land so sometimes you got to take him and see and see if you get lucky. Maybe he might have gone in there and and put Cormier in the dirt. I don't know. I mean, it's it's 50-50 any way you slice it, but I would have liked to have seen that fight. Cormier has actually took to Twitter recently and he wants to fight Pat Barry, which um he tweeted Dana White and he said um offer the fight to Pat Barry. He's from Louisiana like me. He'll take that fight. Let's do it. Um I honestly would like to see that. I wouldn't mind seeing him and Pat Barry lock up. That would be a crazy fight, of course. Pat Barry's ground game, uh, you know. <laughs> Pat Barry's ground game, I hope, would be improved. But I think from a striking standpoint, those guys will go out and they will deliver quite a war, to say the least. So I'm hoping Pat Barry takes the fight, goes down there to strike force, and does some damage. I, I can't even root against either one of these guys, but... I have no issue if that fight comes to pass. In some other news, UFC finalized their UFC on FX card. Uh, the main event, Travis Brown taking on Antonio Silva. Jake Ellenberger's taking on Jay Haran. John Dodson's taking on Jusier Formiga. Josh Neer is taking on Justin Edwards. That's on FX. The Fuel TV prelims have Eve Edwards taking on Jeremy Stevens. Danny Castillo's taking on Michael Johnson. Tiago Tavares, Dennis Hallman. Jacob Volkman is taking on Shane Royer. Diego Nunez is taking on Bart Polshevsky. Phil Harris is taking on Darren Uyanoyama. I, I'm, I'm shocked I got that guy's name right. And, of course, they got two fights on the Facebook prelims. Um, Carlo Prater's on one of those, and Aaron Simpson is another fighter on the Facebook prelims. This weekend, we got the ladies taking center stage for Invicta Fighting Championships 3. There's a lot of really great fights going on that card. Uh, the Adam Weight title fight between Jessica Penny and Naho uh, Sugiyama is going to be for the Adam Weight title. Uh, Shayna Baszler is taking on Sarah D'Elio, um, Raquel Pennington, Kat Zingano. A lot of great fights. Tara LaRosa is on that card. Michelle Waterson, a.k.a. the Karate Hottie. Google her. You'll see. Uh, Julia Budd is also fighting. She's taking on... This is probably one of the coolest nicknames I've seen. Danielle the Honey Badger West. <laughs> I kid you not. Carla Esperanza is also fighting on that card. Um, Amy Davis, uh, Little Dynamite. She's taking on Stephanie Frausto. Uh, I believe she is the sister of Zoila Frausto. So there's a lot of great fights. And above all, they are free. You can go to Invicta's website and you can watch these fights for free this Saturday. Meanwhile, if you're in Kansas City... The fight will be at the Memorial Hall. Also going down this weekend, to wrap things up, Dave Batista's MMA debut. Yes, I kid you not. Dave Batista, the animal, w former WWE superstar, former champion, making his MMA debut. He was originally scheduled to take on Rashid Evans. Unfortunately, Rashid Evans had to be pulled out of the card due to an arrest and no longer, of course, being available to fight. Now he's going to be taking on 40-year-old MMA veteran Vince Lucero. 
Lucero has 42 professional fights with 11 knockout wins and 8 wins by submission. Fighters that he's previously fought include Tim Sylvia, Justin Eilers, and Roy Nelson, which are all losses. That's going to be going down via the Classic Sports and Entertainment's Real Pain pay-per-view at 8 p.m. Eastern. And that's going to be happening in Providence, Rhode Island. You can pick up the fight if you have DirecTV for $29.95. There's also going to be a free pre-show at 7 o'clock. Caesar Gracie will be the play-by-play announcer for the event. The The full card has 14 MMA bouts. You can also watch the fight via live stream on Batista's website, which is BautistaMMA.com for $29.95. That's B-A-U-T-I-S-T-A-M-M-A.com. So if you want to see Dave Batista try his hand at some mixed martial arts, possibly survive it, and, and maybe make a name for himself, then if you got 30 bucks laying around, this weekend is the way to go. Honestly... You can ask yourself, why am I going to pay to watch Batista possibly get killed in in an MMA fight? But the curiosity of it all definitely has piqued my interest. But I'm probably going to try my best to watch the Invicta card, as usual, supporting uh, female mixed martial arts. There's a lot of great and talented women there that can do damage in Strikeforce and someday in the UFC. So we got to support that and get that moving. And like I said... It's free. You can watch some really great women, uh, female fighters get it on for free. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the MMA segment for this week. I was going to take a commercial break, but since we're moving along so well, Booker, take us into it. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! Feed me more. Feed me more. All right, of course, I had to use that new Ryback intro for this week because Ryback was everywhere on Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw was very, it was very interesting because on one side, I got a lot of uh, my fellow wrestling fans saying that Raw was complete garbage. If you read Blades Buried, you'll see that he is in that majority. Then you have others that had, that felt it was hit and miss, and then there were others that felt that Raw was great. Now... I kind of fall in the middle for a few reasons. The opening segment with Paul Heyman was, as usual, masterful. Um, It was good to see CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler have a nice little exchange. That's one of those things that's always uh, a bit of foreshadowing. You see the present, the flag bearer of the company, CM Punk, the current champion, and of course Dolph Ziggler, who is on the cusp of greatness. We talked about this with Jay Santee last week, and... Honestly, Vicky Guerrero, at this point, you can actually separate her from Dolph Ziggler because Dolph Ziggler can stand on his own at this point. But her involvement is always very interesting because she plays well off of what's going on around her. Paul Heyman, obviously, uh, Team Hell No, which of course led to AJ coming out, acknowledging she's on probation. And um, I got to also acknowledge... The promo work of CM Punk, which was completely on display. 
One particular thing I liked was how he segued Austin 316 into his 360-day title reign. Very nice touch, very well played, and above all else, perfectly executed. I also liked the fact that he acknowledged assaulting McFoley backstage, but did not acknowledge Ryback, which was the big thing that everybody was talking about. Of course, the Ryback face-off after the assault on McFoley last week. They also announced the tag team tournament, which is going to be happening over the next couple of shows. Uh, of course, to crown contenders for the number one uh, number one contender slot to take on Team Hell No. Now, the tag team tournament started off this week with Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara, who from this day forward will affectionately be known as Team Mucha Lucha, taking on my favorite Puerto Ricans, the Goya Brothers, Primo and Epico. Now, here's the crazy thing. They, uh, Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara did something which I really, really like that tag teams do. Matching ring gear. I like the subtle touches of the half Rey, half Sin Cara masks. Right down to the, 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 the designs on their trunks, the colors that were used. Very, very nice bit of continuity there. And it was a solid match. There were a couple of botches, which I continue to, to see plague Sin Cara. And, um... The match was good. I liked it. I really did. Um, the primetime players, of course, came out to add a little bit to the segment, which was fine. Now, here's the thing that I want to talk about with Sin Cara and Ray, And um, it's something that I feel is lacking for Luchadors. And even just in, in the mid-card. And that is the addition of a, of a masked heel. A Lucha Libre-style heel. Now, if you go back to the old WCW days, Ray Mysterio... Uh, Juventud Guerrera, uh, Ultimo Dragon, I can go down the list of guys, and they either competed as faces and were loved by the fans, or some of them just, they added touches to their personas and worked as heels and were still just very, very effective. Now, my my reasoning for this is twofold. Number one, you have a, a, a villain who can still sell merchandise, especially if he has like a cool mask and a cool look. You're always going to sell merchandise for stuff like that. Number two, you have a guy that can work the Lucha Libre style. And considering that you want to pass the torch to Sin Cara, it's very important that you get a guy that can do that. Because the fact is that when you get a guy that can do that, you'll be able to generate not only feuds with other superstars, but you can always fall back on a feud between him and either Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara. Now, the plan with... Ray and Sin Cara right now is for them to work as a tag team, run with the belts, break them up, turn Rey Mysterio heel, have a match at Mania, and then kind of pass the torch to Sin Cara. And you know what? That's fine. I have no problem with that. But what happens after that? Because, yeah, sure, you could, Rey Mysterio can work heel, which I don't know how they plan on doing that because I kind of feel Rey Mysterio falls into that same that same pattern that a guy like John Cena does where they're concerned where their heel tactics may affect their bottom line with regards to merchandise. So take that for what it's worth. But think about this. Guys like La Parca, uh, Damien666, if you go way back, uh, Juventud Guerrera, uh, what the hell is that guy? Psychosis, also known as Nicho. You go down the list, you got guys like Jushin Thunder Liger who's worked face and heel. Um, you know, one of my favorites, the Flying Phoenix, Hayabusa, 
Jinsei uh, Shinzaki. You got tons of guys that I've talked about that can work the Lucha Libre style. A lot of those guys are older, but I'm just talking about just digging into that, going into places like, um, you know, you look at Lucha Libre USA, you got guys like Lismark Jr., who are very effective as heels. They do good work. And that's what's lacking for WWE. You need a bad guy that people can kind of get behind, an anti-hero, a Lucha Libre anti-hero. And sadly, I don't think Rey Mysterio is that guy. One of the best guys that I feel fit that role was the chairman, that being La Parca. Do yourselves a favor, look him up. Sometimes he, the YouTube videos list him as L.A. Park. But usually you can find him as La Parca and you'll and you'll see what I'm talking about. We need more. Um, if you're going to build the smaller guys, you need a, a good mix of faces and heels. You know, guys like Tiger Mask, names like that that are synonymous, that can move merchandise. Even even something along the lines of, you know, my our, our friend Amazing Red. Amazing Red worked as a face, had a mask persona, which we all know. And the beauty of it was that Face or heel, the ring style was still there. And Red's a guy, regardless of our relationship and his relationship with the show, that you can kind of take in there and maybe send him in there as a heel. Same thing with a guy like Homicide. Homicide, the Lucha Thug, which they kind of seem to have been doing with, um, what the hell is that, with Hunico. They were trying to go with that Lucha Thug mentality. And it's like, where the hell is Unico right now? You take the mask off of him and you have him coming out on his little lowrider bicycle. He's not even on television anymore. These are guys that you need. You have three hours of fucking television to make that shit work. And they just drop the ball. We got a non-title match with Antonio Cesaro and Brodus Clay. Uh, Brodus Clay did the J-O-B in this match. Very, very awesome spot with Antonio Cesaro delivering the neutralizer on Brodus Clay. Brodus Clay is... A 400-pound dude, which pretty much got deadlifted for that finisher, and I was very impressed. Cesaro looked good in that match. Uh, the IC champ, The Miz, was in action against Zack Ryder, which was good. I, I think it was a solid match. It wasn't a complete job out for Ryder. It was, it was, it was good, you know. Broski booed. They Ryder got some offense in there, but The Miz is still The Miz. Now, what I did want to talk about was the Tensai and Ryback match. Now, for those of you that don't know, Tenzai and Ryback wrestled on SmackDown, um, I believe it was the week prior or the week before that. I'd say it was either a week or two weeks ago. Anyway, that we got a return match, and Tenzai, Ryback went to do his finisher, and Tenzai, for some reason, Ryback couldn't lift him. He tried to do his finisher twice, and twice he couldn't do it, so he ended up just th- throwing him into the ropes and delivering a nasty clothesline for the three count. Now, the crazy thing about this is that the web has kind of been torn about what went down. Some people are feeling that Tensai sandbagged and pretty much made himself dead weight for Ryback, which, if you look at it that way, was was definitely going to make Ryback look bad, especially because th- there's a lot of mystique surrounding Ryback. He doesn't talk very Goldberg-esque, and... To see that happen, it was it was just something that I felt was was poor character. Now again, maybe the positioning wasn't right, but if you legitimately sandbagged on that move, you not only risked injuring Ryback, but you just risked getting yourself in the proverbial doghouse. Ryback has, is pretty much destined for a push at the behest of Vince McMahon, and you're going to go and sandbag in the match. If you did, again, this is all allegedly. 
The fact also remains that by doing that, you exposed Ryback for not having a secondary finisher. Now, of course, you're going to look at something like Goldberg and you're going to say, oh, well, Goldberg really he had the jackhammer. It's like, no, Goldberg had the spear, which was the setup for the jackhammer. But Goldberg was also a different animal altogether. Most of the guys that he got up in the jackhammer, he was able to do because that's the way it was meant to go. You know, he jackhammered the big show, which do yourselves a favor if you haven't seen it. Look at it. Look for it on YouTube. A true test of strength right there. Kevin Nash did an interview recently, and that was addressed. He, um, They asked him about that, and he said, nobody's using the spear as a finisher. People are already chanting Goldberg. Just give it to Ryback. And I can kind of see the logic in that, and it kind of keeps his name out there. But, you know, everybody that does the spear, I mean, Christian used the spear. Um, Edge used the spear. Monty Brown used a version of the spear. It's it's the big show uses it on occasion. There has to be something else that Ryback can do as a secondary finisher that can be deemed effective. I mean, his clotheslines are kind of cool, but you're not going to have the same impact as a clothesline from hell by JBL. So, you got to look at something that's that does that's impactful but but looks fitting for his character. And people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, it, only, it was only a one-time thing. But most of these guys have secondary finishers, whether it's, it's you know, John Cena that has the attitude adjustment or and the STF or Sheamus that has the, the white noise, the, the brogue kick, and the Celtic cross. You know, the, they're guys that have other moves at their disposal. Same thing, Undertaker has the chokeslam, the pile driver, and the Hell's Gate submission. You have to start setting that up. Daniel Bryan... Currently, just a LaBelle lock, but I'm sure he'll come up with something else at some point. It just needs to happen. You need to have things like that in line. We got a non-title Divas match with Eve and Beth Phoenix. Of course, Beth Phoenix is rumored to not be renewing her contract at the end of the month, as for her release. And it's only fitting that they just bury her on the way out. That match with Eve was complete bullshit. Any day of the week, Beth Phoenix would whoop Eve's ass, but clearly, that's not the direction they're going. Santino Morella did the J-O-B against Heath Slater, but it was also to introduce what is being called on the web as Encore, as they're known unofficially. Anyway, it's composed of Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, and Heath Slater as their leader. Now, you can you can say to yourselves, oh my god, it's, a, it's mid-card mafia, whatever you want to call them, but you have to look at it from the standpoint that when you start a faction... With, with most guys, it's because there's a belief that there's that there's the tools in there to be successful. Now, the first thing they got to do, obviously, matching matching gear, um, nice entrance music. You know, Nexus did a good job with that. The core, eh, not so much. But again, you're making Heat Slater a mouthpiece. Drew McIntyre, he's been in traction for a while, and the company's starting to believe in gender in Jinder Mahal. They feel that he'd be a great foreign heel. On you know on on the same platform as you know guys like the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, you know foreign heels like that that you know they got those uh, even even Alberto Del Rio to a degree which kind of Jinder Mahal needs some tweaks to his gimmick because it almost feels like he is an Indian Alberto Del Rio uh, coming out I got all this money blah 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 I'm better than you you know the elitist heels he needs something a little different. And the other thing I got to talk about with Jinder Mahal is the typical racial overcoats on display, ladies and gentlemen. And that is, if you are Indian, Pakistani, 
anything from the Middle East, your finisher automatically becomes the camel clutch. Why must we always do that? The camel clutch always. You mean to tell me that you can't give him some other finisher that you have to give him the camel clutch? And it's been used by everybody. Everybody. Muhammad Hassan, uh, Davari, Jinder Mahal, all those guys. You, they all use some version of the camel clutch. It, again, racial overcoats at work. But uh, I'm going to leave my opinions on this little faction unmentioned for the time being because it was their their first formal debut they beat up santino which honestly they should use as a catalyst for santino turning heel and maybe aligning santino with this group only because santino hasn't been a heel in a long time and i think his gimmick needs a refresh so aligning him with these three guys already might be the way to go and you can have a really good run with these guys and make them feud with guys like tyson kidd Justin Gabriel like that you can have a lot of that because there's already pre-existing history there even feuding with Ryback given Jinder Mahal's history with them you can do that and kind of keep things moving forward but giving the group a little bit of momentum the non-title match between Sheamus and Damian Sandow was without a doubt Damian Sandow's crowning achievement as a WWE performer I, I talk about on, on on numerous episodes about the coming out party, the make or break match for certain for certain wrestlers. And this was the match for Sandow. He came out and had a, a very, very stellar performance against Sheamus. Probably one of the best televised matches I've seen in a while on WWE Raw since the jump to three hours. It was physical. It had it had great back and forth, great counters, and they just worked well together. This match solidified Damian Sandow as a guy who is a natural fit in the upper card, and I was thoroughly entertained. So props to both those guys. We got JR Appreciation Night, which, as I've always said, whenever you are in Oklahoma, it is customary to make JR look like a complete asshole. It's always how it is. He either gets burned up, stunned embarrassed or humiliated in some way and cm punk came out and he he did do that but the way he did it was very very tactful i also like the fact that unlike other heels he did not beat up jim ross he kind of just bullied jim ross which you know for your be a star campaign <laughs> not exactly the best thing you want out there but again Ryback makes his presence felt, comes out, walks JR back out, has a face-off with CM Punk. CM Punk backs down, walks back. I like the subtle touches by Paul Heyman screaming that people pay to see you fight, you don't fight for free. I like that. I kind of like where they're going with it. And of course, everybody's saying, oh, Ryback going into, the, into a feud with CM Punk, it's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Listen. Ryback is a is a he is unmolded clay at the moment. That's how I feel. He's unmolded clay. He has tremendous potential to become a guy that the that the crowd can rally behind. You already hear them with the feed me more chants. You hear all that shit. But what I'm saying is that by making him work with guys that are better, it can only help make him a better performer. Let's not kid ourselves. CM Punk is not dropping the belt to Ryback. I understand that he's getting the Goldberg push, but it's not going to be that that extreme it's not but 
he will learn a few things. He will learn to, to work with, with main eventers. He'll learn about being in, in high-profile feuds. It's one of those things that will help his character down the road. So before you guys jump on, on the message boards and jump all over the place, shitting on his involvement in the upper card, realize that it's a two-fold approach. They're not going to make him champion. If they do, it's, it's totally out of nowhere. Um, the other thing is, like I said, it's going to help him as a performer down the road. Simple as that. Del Rio and Kofi Kingston was a pretty good match. I really enjoyed watching Kofi Kingston work in singles action. I really hope that they continue to do that. Maybe make R-Truth a heel again. Del Rio, though, is just so fucking boring. So boring. He just... I don't care what kind of a match they do, what kind of ring gear they put him in. He's just boring. Ricardo Rodriguez has more going on. In, in, in his single backstage segments that they throw him in, then Alberto Del Rio does in, in a combination of segments and wrestling. He is just bland as shit. The main event, of course, saw Team Hell No take on CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, solid match, of course, continuing to uh, pre- play on the fact that Hell No is very, very dysfunctional. But I do like the bit of continuity with Dolph Ziggler leaving CM Punk to eat the pin, very, very effective on their part, not only because it, it's going to make CM Punk beef at Dolph Ziggler next week, but it was just nice, a bit of turnabout is fair play. CM Punk did it with Heyman, Ziggler did it with Vicky. Very, very nice finish. And not only that, but you get Kane getting a, a pin on the champion, which I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll remember that down the road. And closing it out with them yelling at each other about who is the, the, the tag team champions was just as just as freaking entertaining as it was at the beginning of Raw this week. Again, you had some high points, you had some low points. But it wasn't complete shit. Simple as that. Now, this week, we got to see the WWE main event, which is on ION, and... The match that everybody was talking about was the champion versus champion match. CM Punk taking on Sheamus. Um, a, a pretty good match. Again, Sheamus works well with guys that can help emphasize his strengths. And that can play into his bruiser offense. CM Punk is that guy. You know, he got to see Sheamus break out a, a double axe handle. Um, CM Punk, as usual, with a nice signature elbow. It, it was a good match. And above all else... Nobody got a clear pin. Of course, there were shenanigans on CM Punk's part as he grabbed the tights for the win, but it was it was not something that was clear-cut. It didn't make either guy look weak, and above all, showed that there is potential for these guys to feud down the road. The tag team tournament match between Santino and Zack Ryder against Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd ended in a way that I really thought it shouldn't have ended. I think that there's more incentive to push Gabriel and Kidd than there is to give vic- the victory to Santino and Zack Ryder. I continue to stand by the fact that it shouldn't have been Santino and Ryder, but it should have been Hawkins and Ryder. Given their previous history, it's a nice bit of acknowledgement to their time as the Major Brothers or as the Edgeheads, and it would have just it would have looked better. Santino is a singles guy. If you're going to put him in a tag team, you need to put him in a tag team with a guy who compliments him. Zack Ryder almost feels above, excuse me, Santino, you know, Zack Ryder looks to me like he's a superstar that's higher up the ladder than a guy like Santino. 
throwing these makeshift tag teams together while it's fun for them to compete against Brian and Kane. I think you want to push guys like Justin Gabriel and Kidd who are trying to become an established tag team. Not only that, but in, in the game of wins and losses, the losses hurt guys like Gabriel and Kidd more than they hurt Ryder and Santino, given that they are so over with the fans. Simple as that. Uh, Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara, the Road Scholars, and Santino and Zack Ryder move on in the tournament. The primetime players and Kingston and R-Truth will face off on SmackDown this Friday. So, again, nice nice bit of, uh, of, of focus on the tag teams. I want to know where the Usos are. Uh, did I miss them? Did they just, like, disappear? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Though, again, established tag teams, the Usos, where are they? I mean, it was good to see the Goya brothers, but where where's the Samoan SWAT team? Why aren't they out there doing their thing? Just just things that are worth mentioning with regards to the tag team division. So, overall, one-hour show. It was good. It had some wrestling, a little bit of backstage, and it, and it was effective. I liked it, and it worked. Now... In some other wrestling news, um, there's been a lot of, well, I don't even want to say speculation because it's not even that, but there's been a lot of commentary on the web from various sites, um, including Wrestling Observer and WrestleZone, about WWE looking to find their next top guy. Now, you know, someone that John Cena can pass the torch to, and they're looking for guys that are in their mid-20s. CM Punk is 33, and... He has a look that the WWE doesn't want for their top guy. Let's not kid ourselves. CM Punk is getting pushed based on the merits of his work. But in the grand scheme of things, you know WWE does not want to make him the face of their company. Sheamus is a guy that has the build, he has the look, and he's connected with the right guys, i.e. Triple H. But again, he's 35, same age as Cena. He's not a guy that you can that you can invest long term especially with in the era of injuries and other incidents that occur over the course of a wrestling's career. A lot of people feel, and it's been reported, like I said, on numerous sites, that the next top guy is going to be the last hand-picked star by Vince McMahon, which, take it for what it's worth, Vince McMahon's choice of, of, of making guys is, is hit and miss. But I will say this. The, the search for a top guy shouldn't be based on just the endorsement of Vince McMahon. It should be based on the endorsement of the fans and also based on the, on the, guy, on the guy's ring ethic, on the guy's appearance to the general public. And what I'm saying is, you look at a guy like CM Punk, who quote-unquote isn't a guy that WWE wants to build their brand around. I find that to be unfortunate for a couple of reasons. CM Punk is one of the best talkers and one of the best wrestlers they got. Not only that, but his straight-edge belief system is something that can be used for good if utilized correctly. You know, he, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't do drugs. In terms of, of making him kid-friendly, there are pluses to that. Then you look at a guy like Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, another guy. You can build him as a top face. You can build him as a, as a top heel. But he doesn't fit the quote-unquote WWE look that they look for. But again, Daniel Bryan, um, he's no longer a vegan, so let's let's get that out of the way. But again, he's a guy that's marketable. He's a good talker. 
He 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 dresses well, and he's a guy that you can kind of put out there for mainstream stuff if need be. Same thing applies to the Miz. The Miz, love him or hate him, he's a guy that's marketable. He knows his way around Hollywood. He's a face that people recognize. Again, guys that you can invest energy in. Same thing applies to Dolph Ziggler. Same thing applies to um, Damian Sandow. And you got a couple of guys on the come up. Antonio Cesaro. You can look at him. Cassius Ono, uh, who, you know, we all know from the Ring of Honor days with Antonio Cesaro. These are guys that are coming up. Tyler Black, who, um, again, he's Seth Rollins in the WWE developmentals. But again, another guy that you can you can build brands around based on work ethic and, and their overall understanding of the business and, and their look. The problem is that you can't continue to reinforce these giant jacked up guys as the gold standard. Wrestling's gold standard, in my humble opinion, and I, as and as always, I invite you to call in if you see it otherwise. The gold standard for me as a, as as a wrestling fan is an athlete that can deliver a match using a mixture of styles, entertain and tell a good story in that match, but also able to work the mic and make people become invested in his well-being or 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 in his demise. And right now, CM Punk is that guy. Like I talked about with the with the article with my colleague, CM Punk inve- was invested energy into my colleague to make him dislike him as a performer, which was great. It's exactly what he needed to do as a heel. And that's what you need from these guys on the come up. I don't care if you got a, a body like, like a Greek god. If you suck in the ring and you're terrible on the mic, you're not going to get anywhere with the fans. See David Otunga. Um, it's simple as that. The gold standard for, for any wrestler is an athlete that can tell a story without a promo and that can tell a story with a promo. That's it. And there's very few guys that can do that. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin was one. The Rock, more style than substance. His wrestling was always questionable. Uh, Brock Lesnar, more physical, less verbal. There, there's very few guys that embody that, and that's what they should be looking for. They shouldn't be looking for the next superhero-looking guy to build their brand around. They should be looking at the next guy that has all the right tools to carry the company forward and that people can relate to. Simple as that. In some other news, if you're watching TNA tomorrow, you'll be able to see King Mo uh, debut for Impact starting this Thursday. And as of right now, TNA issued a press release that said that King Mo will be the special referee in the match between James Storm and Bobby Roode at TNA's Bound for Glory. So be on the lookout for King Mo making his presence felt throughout Impact in the coming months. Also, a lot of a lot of sites are reporting that some of the NXT talent that you've been seeing is starting to make their way to the main roster. Guys like Leo Kruger. Um, also Dean Ambrose, who everybody is looking forward to seeing because there's so much fanfare behind him. He wrestled Michael McGillicuddy, um, AKA the son of Mr. Perfect. Also, um, Ted DiBiase was back on the road. He took on Leo Kruger. So these are guys that if they're, if they're working the road already, we may see them sooner rather than later. Earlier this week, we also found out that Kelly Kelly got her release from the WWE Um, I didn't really get to discuss it too much on the fan page, but 
Very interesting. Uh, Rob Feinstein of RF Video actually pulled out an article. Uh, he put out a statement regarding uh, a personal appearance with Kelly Kelly that fell through, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, basically, he he kind of shed light on what she's asking to appear at independent events, which is ten thousand dollars. That's that's crazy. Anyway, it looks like based off her Twitter and what's been talked about in various sites that Kelly Kelly actually is happy to no longer be on the road with WWE. She seems to have um, acclimated herself to not being an active performer anymore. Take that for what it's worth. She changed her Twitter handle, obviously, going back to Barbie Blank. And I honestly think that Kelly Kelly falls into that that weird dynamic with various women that have departed the company, which is that they're beautiful, they're sexy, their wrestling isn't that good, but they see themselves as being more than the company. And what I'm saying is that they look at the company as a stepping stone to other opportunities. While they go and they work hard and they 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 get injured and they and they work on the road, the fact is that many of them are looking at the WWE as an out, which is good and bad because in some cases it works, but in other cases you end up hurting the company and hurting yourself because if you leave abruptly, it's just going to paint you poorly, not only to the fans, but just to the business in general. And we've seen that happen before. Now, Kelly Kelly took some time off. They gave it to her. She came back. They were like, all right, you know, let's talk about renewing your contract. And she was just like, no, you know, I, I want to work a reduced schedule. Now, the problem with Kelly Kelly is that Sure, she's definitely one of the, the top divas in the company. She's marketable. She looks good. She has mainstream appeal. We've seen her in Maxim. We've seen her all over the place. But you're you're not at that level where you can just walk away from the company and stand on your own two feet. Very few women have done that. I mean, Trish Stratus is a, is a woman who left the company on her own terms, has her own businesses, has her own ventures, and and has an open-door invite to come back to WWE whenever. Same thing applies with Lita. Lita's another young lady that she can go, come and go as she pleases. And I'm sure if she called up the company and said, hey, I want back in tomorrow, they'd probably open the door for her immediately because they left, they went into other ventures, but they did so in a way that just didn't seem like they left the company in a lurch. Now, WWE kind of is in a lurch right now. Uh, Beth Phoenix is leaving. We lost Karma. You know, and the women on the roster right now just aren't, I really don't feel that they deliver in the ring the way they should. So Kelly Kelly just just forcing the WWE's hand, it may bite her in the ass. And obviously Rob Feinstein was not happy with her either. So who knows? Maybe she'll do well in, in the mainstream, but uh, I have my doubts. If anything, I see her doing some, some TV stuff, maybe some small bit movie parts. But full crossover, a la The Rock... Had she stayed with the company longer and invested herself and, and continued to improve? Maybe. But right now, she she kind of cut the cord a little too soon. Last few bits of wrestling news I want to talk about is, of course, a very, very controversial WWE article that was put out regarding the top 10 Heyman guys. Now, obviously, CM Punk's statement about being a Paul Heyman guy opened up the floodgates to... Um, people making their own lists but paul Heyman decided to post an article on wwe.com citing his top 10 paul Heyman guys obviously number one was cm punk number two was brock lesnar number three was the big show 
Number four, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Number five, The Public Enemy. Number six, Bam Bam Bigelow. Number seven, Mick Foley. Number eight, Rey Mysterio. Number nine, the late ravishing Rick Rude. And number 10, Joey Styles. Now, again, you're going to look at this and you're going to say, what about the Tommy Dreamers, the Rob Van Dams, the Dudley Boys, etc., etc.? Well, the funny thing was that somebody actually forwarded the article to Taz, who responded on Twitter. He said, I received the link of at Heyman Hustle's top 10 guys. Interesting but impressive list for sure. But yours truly didn't make the cut. Oh, well. Which is unfortunate because it's true on that list you got to add guys like Taz, Justin Credible, Rhino, Jerry Lynn. There's so many other guys in there that you can add. Paul Heyman actually replied and he put politics. Nothing more, nothing less politics. Hashtag FTW. You think when at CM Punk says there's a lack of respect around here, he's reading from a script or something? Question mark. So... Take that for what it's worth. Joey Styles added, real Heyman hustle guys not included. You know, Devon, Bully Ray, Taz, Rob Van Dam, and Tommy Dreamer. Which which is true. I mean, the funny thing is that these articles are always questionable and they, they're going to generate a response from the fans, which is either, either going to be in agreement or in disagreement. But it, the one thing it's going to succeed in doing is getting people talking and getting them to the website. So... Like I said, I disagree with this list for, for the exact reason that everybody else would, and that's because of the, the lack of inclusion of guys that were household names for ECW. You can't leave off Masato Tanaka, Mike Awesome. You can get into the, the franchise Shade Douglas, um, the late um, Chris Candido. We, we can go down the list. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Sabu. Come on, man. I understand that you got you want to acknowledge the guys that are WWE standouts, but there's way too many Heyman guys to leave off the list. Simple as that. <sighs> now, don't mind my sighing. I uh, am trying to get a little bit of this monster energy in me so that I do not lose my voice while my throat is getting dry. So don't mind the sighing. Anyway. The last bit of wrestling news, of course, everybody's been talking about the potentials for CM Punk and Ryback to lock up, and the build that is leading up to that inevitable collision course, but the fact is that there's also talk about Ryback facing The Undertaker, which has been discussed on Raja.com, and the funny thing is that while that is always a possibility, nobody even knows if The Undertaker is going to work WrestleMania this year. Not only because of the finish from last year's WrestleMania, but he just became a father with Michelle McCool. Who knows if he's going to even want to come on the road that quickly and leave his kid home. So, very, very questionable stuff going on. Honestly, teasing something with Ryback and CM Punk is something that you can do over the long term. Just a slow burn, a slow burn, a slow burn until you pull the trigger on it. Because it will keep people more engaged than you guys wanting to go crazy and get the match within the next four to six weeks. I'd rather drag it out maybe three months or so. Ha- always have it that Ryback and CM Punk are always in the same places. But CM Punk just doesn't acknowledge Ryback. Until he just snaps and goes crazy. And makes himself noticed. So that's my take on that. That wraps up the wrestling segment for this week. I need a drink of water. So we're going to take a commercial break. When we get back. We're going to talk some video games right after this. 
Oh, hey, how are you? My name is Blaine. I run a podcast called Boys Stopping Radio. If you like to hear people talk about things, go to boysstopping.com to listen to Boys Stopping Radio. It's an inconsistent podcast that might show up once or twice a month, but hey, guess who wins? You do. Thanks. bit of gaming news i want to open up up with involved wwe 13 which is in stores october 30th thq actually announced their downloadable characters that will be available for purchase when wwe 13 comes out uh, modern era characters include aj lee damian sandow antonio cesaro drew mcintyre layla natalia ryback tensai the usos and yoshitatsu now, the Attitude Era is not left behind. Of course, Mike Tyson is a pre-order bonus. The late Brian Pillman, Chainsaw Charlie, a.k.a. Terry Funk, Diamond Dallas Page, Gangrel, Goldust, Rikishi, Too Cool, and Val Venus. Some other stuff you can get is the Ministry Undertaker, Brock Lesnar's Kimura Lock, which you can use for created wrestlers, and John Cena's 2004 United States Spinner Championship. It was also announced via press release that Ricardo Rodriguez and Paul Bearer will also be featured in WWE 13. So if you are in line to pick up the game, note that you'll be able to get some of these great guys probably on first day release or via DLC in the weeks after the game's release. Honestly, seeing AJ Lee, Sandow, uh, Ryback, Tenzai, some of the characters you see on TV every week, it's good to see them getting an opportunity in the game. Somehow I doubt that they will be free, but who knows, I could be wrong. Gotta congratulate Minecraft for reaching a milestone. Uh, 4J Studios announced that the Xbox Live Arcade version has topped over 4 million sales since its release. It's insane. If you have the PC version, you can actually pick up prepaid cards for Minecraft in Best Buy, Target, and Walmart. And the cards are going to run you $26.95. Lastly, Ubisoft announced that Assassin's Creed is going to be getting a season pass as well, which will give you access to all five DLC packs planned for the game, including the Tyranny of King Washington. You're going to get a single-player campaign. The, well, the single-player campaign, excuse me, gets three extra episodes and an, all, and an alternate take on the events from the American Revolution where, of course, George Washington gave into the new power he found, which is the Tyranny of King Washington pack. Of course, with that, you're also going to get new maps and characters for multiplayer play. Assassin's Creed 3 looks to be probably the gold standard in the Assassin's Creed franchise. After um, getting my hands on the games and playing them in order from one all the way through the last one, I kind of felt that the Ezio story had ran its course. But I will tell you this, those games really pushed... Not only the boundaries of storytelling, but just the boundaries of of the imagination when it comes towards the designs of these games. Just implementing so many historical elements and um, tying in so many great moments in history into these stories is just something that they've done really well with Assassin's Creed. 
I cannot wait for Assassin's Creed 3. I'm very pumped to play it. I'm really hoping that it continues to uh, deliver great storytelling, much like the other games did, because honestly, Assassin's Creed, it it has moments where it gets repetitive. It kind of slows down a bit, but the storytelling, when it kind of hits that hits that turn and just plows into to the finish it's always probably one of the most enjoyable aspects of the game to me sure the combat definitely was hit and miss and it improved over the course of the series but the story is what grabbed me and and again they did a tremendous job with that i did want to talk about something that was making the news today and that is cliffy cliff blazinski cliffy b whatever you want to call him asshole um departing Epic Games, um, obviously he recently got married, and I'm sure he's just burned out. He's he's invested a lot of years into this industry, Gears of War, Bulletstorm. He has a lot of great titles under his belt, and he he just took a step back and decided to leave Epic. Now, obviously there's tons of speculation going around uh, saying that he had a falling out with the company and that he um, and it was over his new project. Some people are saying that he was just burned out. Others are saying he wanted to start a family. Whatever the case may be, and regardless of my personal issues regarding Cliffy B, the fact is that the guy did contribute to the industry in a big way. And, of course, Gears of War loses the face of its brand. You can go out and say, you know, it's 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 Carlos Farrow and the Dom Father and all this other stuff, but Cliffy B was the, the, the face of for that franchise everywhere the guy was it was always gears of war gears of war gears of war wherever he went and the fact remains that it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that series obviously we got one more game coming up but without his involvement now where 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 does the future of this series go it's going to be very interesting to say the least um like i said personal personal feelings aside the guy, the guy had a, a had a huge influence in the gaming industry. I enjoy the Gears of War games. They had a really great story, and every time I played a game and I finished it, I, I was always just looking forward to the continuation of that story because again, it just sucked you in, much like I said Assassin's Creed did. And a case can be made about the gameplay. Some people love it, some people hate it. I I was in in a mixed camp there were times i really thought that the gameplay was super cool there were other times where i'd get really frustrated but i will say that when you finish gears of war 2 and i'm hoping other people agreed you just felt unfulfilled and then three kind of felt like they they wanted to wrap up the story but they kind of sprinted to the finish which i didn't like so i'm hoping that these new the the new game kind of kind of fills in some of those gaps that i felt were prevalent in in the three games but again it's it's a it's a very strange time for epic and just for the industry in general because you're losing a guy who who's generated some some great titles and has put out some some wonderful campaigns associated with these games so whatever he does you know good luck to the guy who knows maybe he'll take a break come back maybe he'll form a new studio maybe he'll come back and and introduce a brand new ip who knows but it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a great time for for companies that are looking to compete against Gears of War to step their game up, especially when the guy who is the face of that brand is no longer in the picture. All right, gaming was a little short this week, so we are going to hop into entertainment because there are quite a few things I wanted to talk about, and um, it's gonna be a short night. So let's get it.
Yeah, that was from Freddy vs. Jason. I actually was inspired to use that this week because I saw the movie last night. And, of course, it's it's October. It's Yes, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but, of course, it is one of my favorite holidays, Halloween. So, got to throw that in there. Um, the, the funny thing about Halloween, last year, I did 31 days of Halloween sharing some of my favorite horror movies. And I was contemplating bringing that segment back this year. But the reason I didn't is because the horror movie genre has kind of been not quiet, but it hasn't been delivering consistently like it used to, where you can pluck out five or six or seven titles at a clip that were good that you may not have been able to talk about previously. And that's kind of where I was, you know, all the all the typical titles that everybody talks about, you know, Halloween, Halloween 2, Hellraiser, Phantasm, um, Jaws, Rawhead Rex, Critters, Ghoulies, Gremlins. You can go down the list of so many iconic horror films killer clowns from outer space which by the way came out on blu-ray and i recommend you pick it up if you're a fan um you know for me to sit here and go through that and and try and find other movies that i may have missed it would have just been a disservice to you guys because while there are movies that i missed on that list they're not movies that i would really go and rank up there as must see i i would think that there are movies that you can say hey you know check it out if you get a chance but you know, if you don't, it's no big deal. I mean, iconic films like Psycho, Hellraiser, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Halloween 2 was was probably one of my favorites. Um, Return of the Living Dead. You know, I can go down a list of, of movies that, that are already there. But if you want to get familiar with some of these titles, definitely hit that search button on MyTakeRadio.com. And you can see some of the titles we picked. Maybe I'll try and do something tied into Halloween. Maybe I'll start doing some... Netflix Q reviews of of a couple of horror flicks that may have gone under the radar, but we'll see what happens with that. But I do want to try and do something for Halloween. Now, this week's entertainment is brought to you by Shop HBO. You can get five dollar flat rate shipping off True Blood orders by entering the code Season Five. Next week we'll probably be debuting new promo codes, which I kind of dropped the ball this week with some of our sponsors. Um, of course. Our wrestling segment brought to you by WWEShop.com. Promo code for that, WWE Save 10 Save $10 off any order of $70 or more from ShopWWE.com. Lastly, of course, MMA Warehouse. Got to shout those, guy out, those guys out that are the brand behind our MMA segment. So there. Kind of a little bit of backtracking. But anyway, let's get into the entertainment this week. Superhero Hype reported that Andrew Garfield will be coming back as Peter Parker slash spider-man obviously and mark webb will return to direct the amazing spider-man 2 they are finalizing negotiations to bring back of course gwen stacy which if that chick doesn't come back what the fuck else is she doing let's be real anyway one thing with spider-man 2 and i gotta kind of acknowledge something that slick did when slick reviewed the amazing spider-man it opened up uh, a great plot point which were the spider slayers I honestly think that that could be brought to life in a film, obviously with another bad guy behind it, but the spider slayers on the on the big screen would work, and I really hope that they draw inspiration from that for the second Spider-Man. You can expect that in theaters in 3D May 2nd, 2014, so be on the lookout for that. MTR would like to wish a speedy recovery to the, the Marvel's founding father, Stan Lee, who actually... It was reported on TMZ at received a pacemaker. He actually released a statement which TMZ published. 
acknowledging that. And um, he kind of said that he is like Tony Stark now with an electric pacemaker in his heart. Um, The craziest thing is Stan Lee is almost 90 years old. It's uh, it's it's insane. Actually, I think he is 90. He's 89. Excuse me. 89 years old, almost 90. And the guy the guy is still going out there, busting his ass, doing cons, uh, making cameos in Marvel movies. So good luck to Stan Lee. Glad to see he's on the mend with the pacemaker. And hopefully it's, you know, it'll do him well and keep him around for a lot longer than most 90 year olds last. So good to see him back on his feet. And some other news, of course, I talked about this last week. The Dark Knight Rises hits Blu-ray December 3rd and DVD as well. But, actually, correction, hits uh, December 4th. December 3rd is a Monday. December 4th is your target date. Now, here's the thing. A lot of you guys may want to wait because you may want to pick up a three-film box set or something along the lines. And here's the crazy thing. There is going to be an Ultimate Collector's Edition, but it will not be released until 2013. So if you don't want to pull the trigger on The Dark Knight Rises December 4th, you're going to have to wait till 2013 to get your hands on it. Seriously. So do yourself a favor. Wait if you want it. But if you must have it immediately, then drop that money December 4th and pick it up then. Let's talk box office numbers. Number 10, Won't Back Down. Number 9 was The Master. Number 8 was Resident Evil Retribution. You can check out Slick's review of that on MyTakeRadio.com. Finding Nemo 3D was number 7. Pitch Perfect was 6. The House at the End of the Street was 5. Trouble with the Curve was 4. End of Watch was 3. I was shocked to see Looper actually was number 2. And number 1 was Hotel Transylvania. I honestly thought that Looper, with all the positive reviews, the the great comments on Rotten Tomatoes, that it would have been number one this week, um, especially with word of mouth. But I do want to see it. I've heard really, really good things. Uh, The guys at Film Drunk, who are super critical guys, actually had some really good things to say about it. So I'm going to try and get around to seeing it maybe this weekend, maybe the weekend after. And as always, be on the lookout for a review on MyTakeRadio.com. In some sequel news, according to ComingSoon.net, Matt Reeves, who did Let Me In and Cloverfield, is set to direct the next Planet of the Apes, known as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. The reboot, which was Rise of the Planet of the Apes, was a $93 million budget movie that made almost $500 million at the box office. Right now, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is scheduled for a Memorial Day 2014 release. Now, here's the thing. When they were going to do the reboot for Rise of Planet of the Apes, I honestly thought that it was going to suck. And I'll tell you why. I watched the original Planet of the Apes growing up. I watched that terrible, terrible fucking Mark Wahlberg trash fest that they threw out there. So I was kind of sullied and ruined by that film. Then, it was, you know, I, I was flipping through the channels one day and I'm like, oh, they're giving it. So I sat down and I, I, was, I started watching it at about the halfway point. And... By the time the movie ended, I was like, holy shit, this movie was good. It was very good. Now, the crazy thing was, it wasn't good because of the performances of the humans. The standout performance was Andy Serkis as Caesar. You know, the main the, the main ape. Very good storytelling and just the, the, the evolution of the apes and, and the camaraderie amongst them throughout the film was just something that it was great to see unfold. I was thoroughly impressed with the movie 
and I'm actually pumped for a sequel. And a guy like like Matt Reeves, you know, say what you will about Cloverfield. You loved it. You hated it. The guy has a really, really great vision when it comes to science fiction. And Cloverfield, regardless, like I said, of what you think about it, was 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 ahead of its time just because it was so crazy, so random. The marketing campaign for it was so unique. And, of course, afterwards you saw the movie and you were just pissed off like I was. I watched Cloverfield. I remember I watched it and I was like, oh, man, finally I get to see it. And I'm watching the movie and all this shit is happening. And when I finally see the monster, I'm like, really? That's it? That's it? Ugh. But, again, you know, having him involved in something like the like the Apes films gives me a little bit of hope. The guy, like I said, he has a good vision for sci-fi. So, Memorial Day 2014 is when you gotta keep your eyes peeled for that. Now we got some what-the-fuck movie news this week, courtesy of Deadline, who said that, get this, they are bringing Little House on the Prairie to the big screen. <sighs> I kid you not. Of course, based on the Laura Ingalls Wilder book series, which aired from 1974 to 1984, looks like Hollywood just has nothing better to do, and they are going to scrape the bottom of the barrel with Little House on the Prairie. <sighs> TV show? Sure. Full-on movie? <laughs> not so much i'm sorry it just it just won't work it just won't work so in some other what the fuck movie news get this jay tranda i'm gonna mess up this guy's name jay chandra sekar who obviously you guys may know from super troopers beer fest from broken lizard is set to rewrite and direct yogi bear 2 listen to this carefully the guy from broken lizard who you know for, for crazy shit like Super Troopers and Beer Fest, is going to rewrite and direct Yogi Bear 2. Now, the crazy thing is, you're probably saying to yourself, really, you're going to do a second Yogi Bear movie? The first movie was complete shit. Well, guess what? The first film from 2010 may earned over $200 million worldwide. So, I can only hope that the, you know, Broken Lizard adds a little bit of their crazy humor in there. But to do a sequel to that, it's just unnecessary. It really is. I mean, yeah, you made $200 million, but is anybody really that invested in Yogi Bear? I can see the Chipmunks because you can spin that off and you can use a lot of pop music and get that get that pop music out there in, in a different sort of way. I can even see the Smurfs for the same reason. You can get that out and it's safe and you can have a lot of fun with it. And not only that, but... Obviously, um, Gargamel looks really cool live action. The, um, Hank Azaria puts a lot of work into making Gargamel work. So I got to commend that. But Yogi Bear? Seriously? I kind of want to play the fail horn again, and Slick is reinforcing that. But yeah, why not? In some Marvel movie news, Deadline is reporting that there are five actresses up for the lead role in Captain America The Winter Soldier, which is being directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. Obviously, right now, they, they're they not giving up what character she's going to play. Obviously, I'm thinking um, it's going to be Shannon Carter, but who knows, especially with the, the liberties that Marvel tends to take with their films, but I'm thinking Shannon Carter. Anyway, here are some of the actresses that are rumored 
to play the love interest for Steve Rogers. Amelia Clark, who you may know as, you know, the Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. Jessica Brown Finley from Downtown Abbey. Teresa Palmer from Warm Bodies. Imogen Poots. <laughs> yes, her last name is Poots. P-O-O-T-S. And, of course, Allison Bree from Community are all being rumored. There's also a rumor that you may be seeing Black Widow taking part in that film as well. It's And the reason for that is because Marvel signs actors usually to nine-picture deals to use them in multiple films. So, be on the lookout for that. Of all the actresses that are on this list, I, I, I remove Amelia Clark because she's working on Game of Thrones and she's kind of focused on that, you know, playing Daenerys Targaryen. And, and honestly, she looks like she's 12. So to put her on screen with Captain America just look, look very, very pedoish in my opinion. Uh, Jessica Brown Finley, yeah, but she's not as well known. Same thing with Teresa Palmer. Um, Imogen Poots, I've seen her in a couple of movies here and there, but again, not as well known. Now, Alison Brie, uh, she's cute. She's perky. Uh, she's GIF worthy. If you guys watch Community, you guys know what I'm talking about. But not only that, but she gives that that innocence and that 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 undercover sex appeal that works with uh, certain characters. Same thing can be said for Haley Atwell when she played um, Peggy Carter in Captain America. She was good looking, attractive, but still classy and refined to to work alongside a guy like Steve Rogers. Same thing with these actresses. I mean, Alison Brie, she might be a little quirky for that role, but you never know. She may step up her acting game and, and work really well with Chris Evans. The The funny thing is that, uh, that my um, my wife said to me that they're going to cast Minka Kelly because she dates Chris Evans. You never know, but please keep her away from these fucking movies. She is a, she is a blank fucking canvas. She is boring as shit. When she was in Charlie's Angels, she was garbage i'm sorry she was honestly if you're gonna look at at somebody to put alongside chris evans you gotta and you want to name actress you gotta look at somebody who's established um but is also pretty but in a more almost in a military sort of way because usually if you're gonna go shannon carter she's um she's she's hands-on she fights she does stuff and you want to kind of do something with that and you need a, a physical a physical actress you do. I mean, like I said, Alison Brie, cute, perky, but that's kind of where I feel that they're going to lose out if they get actresses that don't that don't really or that shy away from getting physical. Who knows? I am looking forward to obviously seeing Falcon on screen and to see the Winter Soldier, obviously bringing Bucky Barnes back and seeing how they how they unfold that story. It's, it's going to be really good. And of course, excuse me, tying into the Avengers by having Black Widow pop up is is all good in my book. One thing I would like to see, of course, more Red Skull, but I'd like to see a uh, Crossbones. Crossbones is such an awesome character, uh, henchman for the Red Skull, and he's a guy that you can actually you can actually pluck somebody from the WWE roster to play that role because the problem with a guy like Crossbones is you can't get just a small guy for that. Crossbones is a is a big guy. He is a, he is he is on the on, on the Bane level when it comes to uh, henchmen fighting Captain America. Not only that, but he has just a cool look to him that if you put it on screen, it'll really work. And if you want to do that with a character like Crossbones, you got to get a a decently 
large guy. As 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 silly as it is, Ryback would make a good crossbones. Big dude. Uh crossbones he speaks, but again, you can you can have a separate voice actor or you can have but but seriously, Ryback is a the human equivalent of what crossbones should look like. If you're not sure, do yourselves a favor, Wikipedia, Google Images, uh DeviantArt, whatever. Take a look at Crossbones and you'll see what I'm talking about. I would like to see him on the big screen, especially if you bring back the Red Skull. Um, if you want to do the Red Skull's daughter, that's a little bit too forward in the Captain America mythology, but who knows at this point? Serpent Society is always good. You can always throw those guys in there as just henchmen. Have a little fun with that. There's a lot of different things that, of course, seeing the Winter Soldier on screen is is going to be good, too. I hope that they... They pluck it right out of the comic book and they deliver a nice, nice appearance for them and not something thrown together. I mean, Marvel's really going full bore with this, so I'm not too worried. But like I said, sometimes they take liberties and shit looks a little weird. So we shall see how it pans out. Lastly, in some other Marvel movie news, Iron Man 3 will be releasing a trailer on October 23rd. The film will be in theaters May 3rd, 2013, so be on the lookout for that trailer on October 23rd. Just keep an eye on MyTakeRadio.com or our Facebook fan page, and you'll be able to check the trailer out and, of course, share your thoughts. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Yes, it was a, uh, a short show, I told you. Anyway, let me not beat this up anymore. Time to wrap things up. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 157. For Wednesday, October 3rd, 2012. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR or our interview series Beyond the Mic or Behind the Mic, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're interested in advertising with us either for a segment or on air for the show in general, you can also email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We will be setting up an advertising email directly for any advertising inquiries in the in the coming weeks and we're going to get a nice form put together for that just because a lot of people are using the guest form that's on the site so we're going to try and kind of flesh that out we want to give you uh for people that want to do guest posts we want to give you guys a form for that and we also want to give a form for people that want to be guests etc speaking of guest posts contributors writers we're always looking for great people to add to our team Obviously, it's it's not a paid gig, but you'll be able to get access to any games, hardware, any of that stuff that we get, we we share with our team. So if you're interested, again, drop me a line and we can set something up. Please make sure to include a writing sample so we can see what you have to offer. And who knows, maybe you can be the next MTR staffer. All right, social media. We are all over the place. You can find us on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio. On MySpace, which is getting a reboot. Look for us there. Add us to your Facebook fan pages. Actually, that that just came off terrible. Become a fan on Facebook. Just like our fan page. Look for us there. Google Plus, add us to your circle. That's where I kind of mix shit up. So it's definitely time to wrap things up. Last but not least, pick up the MTR app for your Android or iOS devices. It's $1.99. You get access to original content, mobile wallpapers, and tons of other cool shit that we're going to put on there in the coming months last but not least you can always listen to us on blog talk radio stitcher itunes the zune marketplace blackberry tune in radio and also on future cast media which simulcasts our shows 
We do ask that if you are getting the shows off of iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. Taking us out this week is Pulling Punches with their new song off the Pulling Punches mixtape. Song titles may vary. If you want to check out their work, you can head over to pullingpunches.bandcamp.com. You can also look for Pulling Punches on Twitter and on Facebook. Those links will be in the show notes. I will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.